and said to my sister, we need to do something on our own because I, I can't find a job anywhere. And if you can find nothing that you are passionate about and that there's nothing that you want to do, you just like the idea of being in business, then sit on it and wait and pray on it or meditate and it will come to you. Don't rush. There is a difference between taking risks and rushing. Rushing makes mistakes. Don't upset people. How do you want your customer service, right? Like you're saying, if you want to just treat people how you want to be treated. So simple, but it is worth everything in business. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the next episode of Girl Boss. Thank you so much for joining me again. I'm so excited as today I am joined by Simi and Sam, who are the founders of Temple of Incense. So for those who don't know, they provide wonderfully scented incense sticks across their website, and they are now stocked in lots of independent retailers around the UK. And I was just so interested in their journey as they're a family-run company. They're two sisters that are doing this together. One of them is a mother, has small children. And it started 10 years ago uh, on a market stall on Portobello Road, which I just find really wholesome. And I just, I just love that old school way of selling. So I'm so intrigued as to how it started from such a humble beginning to being stocked uh, all around the UK. So I cannot wait to share this conversation with you guys. It's just such a lovely chat. They're really, really nice women. And... They share incredibly insightful nuggets of wisdom. Um, so I know you'll get a lot from this. So without further ado, here is the podcast. Hello, Simi and Sam. Thank you so much for joining the Girl Boss podcast. How are you guys? Oh, I'm really well, Nikki. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you for having us. Amazing. So we have three of us on the podcast today, which I was just saying is so much more of a vibe. We've got more atmosphere. And Simi and Sam are sisters and they run the Temple of Incense together. So I have so many questions I want to ask about the dynamic and everything. So I'm going to jump straight in and ask you guys, how did you start your business and what was the inspiration behind Temple of Incense? This is always such a, a question because we are um, coming on to our, this is our 10th, we're, we're, we're at a 10-year anniversary. It's exciting, um, but it feels like such a long time ago when we started this. Sam will give you a little bit of a story because really um, this all originally came down to when Sam was 19 and couldn't find a summer job. <laughs> that's when we started our um, little market store when I say we it was Sam but originally the idea and and what we do really comes from just the, the pure love of incense and it being such a part of our lives from when we were really young I think there are many people with a similar background to us as well that will feel the same way you know you wake up in the morning and you can smell, you know, mum's making jai, but you can also smell that there's been incense burning and, and that gives you a really great sense of home. So there's a ritualistic aspect of incense that we just fell in love with and it was really ingrained with us. And that that was the real inspiration, was that feeling of home that, that we ended up in the end um, turning into this wonderful business that we are absolutely in love with. I was literally 19 years old and I was, I finished sixth, um, sixth form, could not find a summer job anywhere. And the only remaining amount of money I had was 50 pounds. And literally there was a note that I had in my back pocket. <laughs> and my, I said to my sister, we need to do something on our own because I, I can't find a job anywhere. So luckily I applied to do a market stand at a local um, market area 
And that £50 was the rent for that pitch. Um, and, and that's when we started out with, with, with incense, but it wasn't our incense. It's not something that we were manufacturing at the time. It was wonderful, um, a very old brand of incense, which we still love now. And, and that's how we started. And from a little market store, we, we ended up with such a great response. We went back the week after and the week after that. At that time, I was working in finance, but, you know, my sister's doing a market stall. I'm not missing out. So I used to turn up and, and give her a hand and it became every Saturday. They did. And then the whole family got involved. Yeah. And dad soon came over helping us set up. Yeah. And then mum wasn't going to miss out. So she came. And next thing you know, I fell in love with it so much. I completely quit my job wow. and said, let's give it a go. So it was a bit of a risk. But here we are 10 years later and... Yeah, all paid off, right? It did entirely. And now we're both doing it full time. Oh, wow. That is such a wholesome story. And I love that it had such a humble beginning in a market store um, with £50. I love it. And um, I have quite a lot of questions about the market store side of things because I have dabbled in that quite a lot. I normally do lots of Christmas markets. And I know how stressful that can be. It's just very, they're very long days on your feet, talking to customers in the cold, in the warm how have you, how did you find that at the very beginning? Was it something that you kind of felt that adrenaline just took you through? Or you felt like you were just where you were supposed to be? Or did you find it very kind of grueling at the time? I think what got, well, personally for myself, what got me through it, and especially those very, very cold winters, and when you're wearing so many layers just to keep yourself warm in the cold, was seeing our beautiful customers. Yeah. That's what got me waking up really early in the morning to see our regulars, to have the um, the nice little chats with everyone, to share what you're so passionate about yeah. and the stories behind all the incense. But that's what really got me through those really cold, harsh winters. I really relate to that because, um, so for example, when I do do the Christmas stalls, I do have, um, I say my brother, for example, just saying if you just spent those days working more on Amazon, you'd be able to probably make more than I do at the stores. And I had to explain to him, it's not just about the money. It really is about the feeling of where I'm such an, where I'm an online business. I don't get to speak to customers face to face. It's just the wholesome feeling of actually of just going back to roots and just buying and selling face to face, which is kind of, you know, how it used to be. And it's just those, yeah, there's like, personal transactions and uh oh my god I loved it and then also where it's Christmas I just love the festivities it comes with the whole vibe and it carries me through even though I know you know I could potentially put this effort and more into Amazon for example and potentially make more but it's just the yeah it's just the whole feeling I always come away absolutely exhausted but so I don't know so happy Nikki it's that feeling that if you, even if you've had what you might consider a mediocre day or a bad day at the market and it does go up and down, but there's a feeling that you come home and, you know, and it, everything wasn't, you know, contactless and things like that. And there was a great feeling of coming back home and feeling exhausted and feeling still cold because you've been outside in a cold all day, but you've really put in some hard graft. And you can see the money that you've taken at the end of that day because it's in your hands and it's in front of you. And that for me has always had more value than what you can see that maybe comes in through PayPal or online, like you say, through Amazon or other channels or your website. And there is a different feeling to that money that you've earned that comes in. It's almost a bit more primal because it's that's just like our old yeah. school way of selling. I don't know. There's, yeah, there's definitely that feeling. I completely agree with you. And I was going to ask you as well. So when you were selling in the market stalls, you then started to sell online. Was there a point in between where you 
um, thought about having a brick and mortar shop. Did you consider that? So it's always been a dream of mine to have that shop to have our TRY headquarters or that flagship store and we were always toying with that idea weren't we Benji we we were I think a lot of it really came has come down to sort of circumstance and there is always a balance that has to be had between um and and I'm forever we're both forever the optimist and, and big dreamers and you know manifest everything um, but there is a balance that we have to have between having the dream and fulfilling that. Um, but how much of that can we do and how much of it meets reality? And the very basic thing of, um, of that for me was that, you know, I have a young family. I want to be able to really, you know, run this business and enjoy it. And I don't know where having the physical store fits into that at this moment in time, just because of time as well um we have always done everything for our own business we have a wonderful team now but we're a little bit of a control freak so it would take one of us to be in the store all the time (laughs) morning to night and i just don't think that 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 was um uh that is something that we can do right now but we're not losing hope on that we're hoping to one day um i think sam definitely a dream for her but and she almost did it with the both of us. We did. But then 2020 came. Yeah, and we're so glad. Um, I think it was a blessing from the universe in a way mm. because the pandemic happened and I don't know if we would have survived that pandemic. So, so there was definitely a possibility and talk of it before, but then the pandemic happened, yeah, so so it didn't happen. And I started my family and then we never went back to it because we're really happy with how it's going at the moment. So maybe in the future, for sure. Yeah. Have you thought about doing that, Nikki? Um, yeah. I, oh my gosh. So the whole point really of me starting the company is because when I, I used to play shops all the time as a kid with my cousins and everything, I always pictured myself owning a little shop on like a nice high street. And I still do. I would love it. Honestly, I walk through um, my local town, it's like cobbled streets and everything. I walk through and I think, oh my God, I would love to have a lovely little store here, talk to customers all day, like, and just walk around and dust the shelves. Oh my God. It would just be an amazing setup for me. But I just, like yourselves, I just know that I can't rely on the footfall at this, in this day and age. Um, and I knew that I'm able to reach, I know that I'm able to reach customers all around the world online um through so many different channels and I pay a lot less rent <laughs> you know then you've got your, all your expenses and everything and I also need to man and uh, fund a warehouse and office space so it'd be in addition in addition to that as well and it's just not something that yeah. would have been realistic for me unfortunately despite it being something I would have loved but that's why as well I try and do the odd market store here and there so I do get that the odd bit of experience and um, and just feel that kind of wholesome in-person retail vibe because I've just otherwise feel so far away from it. But yeah, I, I feel exactly the same as you guys do. And I was going to ask as well. So where it was 10 years ago, you had the market stalls. When was the transition where things moved online? Was it soon after? Were you doing the market stalls for quite a few years? Yeah, we, we were. We were doing market stalls and then we were doing, um, we did a lot of exhibitions up and down the country. Um, yeah, we did a lot of festivals. So summertime, we were just up and go. Mm-hmm. Throughout the year, we'd be booked out um, with different exhibitions and, and we loved it. And I don't, we should have moved online sooner than we did. In hindsight, I think I definitely give that advice to anybody that's trying to make the business work at the moment is that online is so important. I think we were just having so much fun 
doing what we were doing and having such a laugh and having such a great time that um, (laughs) we just enjoyed it for so long and didn't actually think about doing it properly. So I think we were probably about four years in when we did it. We were on the road um, living out of uh, literally a suitcase, going from one exhibition to another or a festival to another. And then we used to just come back home just to say hi to mum and dad and we're back on the road again. And at that time, when you're having such a great time, you don't want to think about running a warehouse. So it was, it, was, it was sort of four years later and we decided, right, let, let's do this because we were meeting so many people on the road in all different parts of the country. Um, and then afterwards they would say, well, now we have to wait till you come back next year because we can't order online. And then, you know, that gave us a little push and said, we have the customers and they keep asking us for it. Let's do it. Yeah. So did you run the two side by side for a while? Were you doing the market stores and you had an online store at the same time at any point or was it a complete transition? We had to cut back on the market stores because by the grace of God, our online business was growing faster than we could keep up. Um, And I think this sort of a little bit comes down to what your brother was saying, too, that, that there comes a point that you think, well, do I now want to stand out all day in the rain and snow and do this? Or can I sit in my pajamas yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and, and, and do that? And, and sometimes you just got to say, okay, this is great. I still want a taste of this. I want to, I want to go and see people. I want to do the exhibitions in the markets, but I certainly don't want to be doing that every week. Oh, that's amazing. I think it just goes to show you start with the market stores to, you know, see for yourself if it was going to, if it was going to work. You've built your customer base. You've probably built quite a lot of confidence and experience through that. And now you're moving that into the online world. And moving I mean, times basically, which sounds like a very natural progression. And yeah, I think that's I think that's brilliant. And I was going to ask as well, um, with regard to being a family business, two sisters running it, and you're saying that your family got involved a lot in the market stalls. How has that been? What's the dynamic been in terms of working together? And I'm curious as to how you ensure that all of your ideas are heard and it's fair. I'd love to know more about it. It can go either way. For us, it really works. And the reason why it does is that because we are so frank and open and honest with each other, that we can use our relationship as sisters and how well we get on and and, and move that into our business space really well. So we can kind of, excuse my language, but cut through the bullshit when we sit next to each other and we say, what we need a solution, what should we do? And to each other, we can just say, you know that, I don't like that. That's not going to work. Yes. You know, and so I think it's just go, no, this, Benji, that's not right. That doesn't work either. And we just get to where we need to get to a lot quicker than we would say if we were working with somebody that we didn't have the same relationship with. The other thing is, though, it makes it, you know, we're more passionate. And with that, sometimes can there be passionate conversation? Of course. <laughs> but the bottom line of it, uh, the, the, the bottom line of it is that we are still sisters and we it, although it's hard to separate working with family and, and keeping business separate from your personal, if you can have a good relationship, both can intertwine without any problems. But for anybody that's thinking about going into business with their family, think about it because I know people where it's gone the other way, sadly. Just be sure. And that sounds amazing. I love that you're able to kind of just decide based on how close you are already that it would be a good idea because again you've probably got very aligned views of the future and you can also just be more blunt with each other as your sisters as opposed to it being a friend or a colleague so I guess that dynamic can work so well and like you said it can also go the other way so it is something for people to definitely consider but I imagine a benefit as well is that it, it feels must feel less lonely 
because I would say from my experience starting a business and not having someone to bounce off of on my level because I'm hiring people and training them up I do often feel a bit alone in terms of yeah just not having that kind of camaraderie and the person um a, a similar person invested as much as I am so do you feel like you kind of get that as well from working together we're very lucky to have that because you'll know from your experience as well Nikki that it's not always sunshine and rainbows and there are times of stress and you know you can't sleep at two in the morning Um, and it's nice knowing that there's somebody else that's there with you and and we have slightly different personalities in that sense that there are times if I'm really worried about some things I'm just going to go stop it what are you worried about what's the worst that's going to happen yeah. just chill out and sometimes you need to to know that and hear that from someone but you need to hear that from somebody who's in that position having the same experience and that's why it has the same you know it holds value um so we are there for each other if one of us is you know really struggling with something the other the other one will pick it up and vice versa so yeah I'm I'm under no doubt as to how lucky I am to have that and to be honest I'm working with my best friend and outside of work, my sister's always been my rock. And even during our working life together, um, I, I always look up to my sister. Well, she is my older sister and my only sister. And I'm really blessed to be able to see my sister as often as I do oh. and be able to work with her. Oh, I'm jealous. I wish I had a sister. This sounds like the most beautiful relationship. I'm so happy for you. This sounds like a such a lovely dynamic. And it started from such like a a very wholesome beginning and it's great to hear that and it's really inspiring to know that as well because where I spoke to Anjan Pri also they were they said similar things in that you can kind of sub in for one another so then there are less there are probably less yeah. dips than someone that's running it on their own so for example if I'm a bit if I find social media a bit too chaotic and stressful I'll just take like a month off but then there's no one really subbing in if that makes sense so it must it must be great and you're probably you know double as likely to succeed in that sense as well because there's two of you involved so that yeah that's really really nice to hear so I was going to ask as well have there been any challenges with having a family business um no everything has been a positive for us I took a little bit of time off to have a baby and um Sam just stepped in and she was like, okay, I got this, you know, you go do the baby thing. And that's when I quit my finance job. Yeah. And she came full time and she just took over and and obviously now Sam's here full time, which is great. But, you know, like sometimes the toddler will come running in Mm. and, you know, Sam be like, don't worry, sitting down on her lap. And, (laughs) you know, we just kind of make it happen between the both of us. And that's where family works. So to answer your question, no, no problems. Um, May it stay that way. And also, we've learned how to work together from such a young age. Yeah. My sister's always been a second mother to me. Yeah, so it's, it's compromise and understanding. Oh, excellent. So it's, obviously, you've, got, you've had a lifetime of experience of, you know, working together and managing one another. So I, I can imagine that going into business together should, would have been seamless. And like you said, you know, having a small family as well, you know, it's not just like they're coming in just to see uh, mum they're coming in to see their auntie as well so it must be it must just be nice that whole dynamic yeah if I can pass my toddler off to Musty <laughs> for an hour even if I can have a break that's great that, that's <laughs> the whole plus point of this oh and plus, brilliant. I've been I've been so fortunate enough to see my little nephew grow mm. so 
where say if I had an office job I will only be popping in whenever I could off an evening or over the weekends but I get to see my little buddy as all, all the time literally all the time no oh, that's excellent and if I was to circle back to when you left your finance job so how did that feel because so many people I've spoken to actually have had quite a a corporate financial or sort of like medical related job and then they've moved into a business um you know doing something that they love that's a lot more creative so how was it for you to move from finance to something like this and also how did you find um did you find there's more pressure when you left you know stable income to then do this or did you only did you sort of make sure you only did it at the right time so um, for me it was literally a breath of fresh air I felt so relieved I feel like the corporate world can be damaging to your soul yes 100 (laughs) I didn't feel grounded especially being in one place for a very long time doing the same mundane things day in day out I was literally making richer people richer and managing their finances and it just it didn't give me the same satisfaction of when I used to do my work at the market stalls or when I was at the exhibitions or even creating new products with Benj so I just knew that this is not what's motivating me to wake up every morning Mm -hmm. and I was briefly talking to Benj about this and the other day and I was saying how important it is to do something like you're so passionate about because if you're passionate about it you don't have to worry the money will come eventually but if you love what you do that's what's going to get you up in the morning that's how things work out really well as yeah well. I think we're also very lucky and I think this this is coming from my personal experience of being an Indian a South Asian woman is that we have a very supportive network in our immediate, say, family and friends, where they support the idea of creative business and taking a little risk and doing what you love and life is too short and all of that. I mean, we come from a big family of hippies, say, but in a great way. But I know that that's not the experience for a lot of other South Asian people. And when we move further out in our community and people say, oh, what do you do? And they'll say, oh, well, I have this. And they say, okay. I said, well, you know, I have this wonderful business. And they would say, okay, well, what do you do for work? What do you do full time? Mm. Or are you going to do that forever? Um, Somebody said, oh, but, you know, how do you pay your bills? And you think, come on, guys, just be supportive. You know, but had I turned around and said, oh, well, you know, I'm a doctor now or I stuck out in finance. Oh, great. You know, that's fantastic. And it was a completely different response that you would get from the typical profession to having a more creative profession. I think it's about time that people stop doing that. I do think times are changing. I think, whereas I'm quite fortunate as well, because my dad runs his own business. So I've grown up around that. I've not seen it as such um, a different thing to reach for. I know so many South Asian women do, men and women do feel that way. They have to go into a stable profession. They have to study at university, go into a stable profession and then they'll be set for life. But there are other routes and it doesn't have to be as chaotic and unstable as it may seem so even when I transitioned from my full-time job into running the business full-time I didn't just you know pack everything in overnight and risk all of my life savings it was a very gradual progression and I took my time to make sure it's the right decision it doesn't need to be all or nothing you can phase the two things into each other so it it's yeah more of a steady process and less risk involved and you know at the end of the day 
online sales have just been incredible. And I think during the pandemic, I didn't know what to expect, to be honest. I shut my whole website down. I was ready to kind of just give in and just wait for this, you know, the storm to pass. Whereas online sales just ballooned and it was, yeah, it was insane. I'm sure you experienced the same as well, but you'd never quite know. But then I feel like we've come out of the pandemic and I look back and think, actually, online sales did so well whilst lots of other things collapsed around us. And I think, is it as risky as we once thought? Or is it actually probably the most sensible route to take going forward, you know, alongside other credible professions? It doesn't need to, you know, have such a um, stigma around it anymore, especially in 2022, after everything we've been through in the last couple of years. I agree. I think that, that there is this idea of risk. And yes, there is risk, but it's not as much as, you know, we were talking before about having the bricks and mortar. But then, you know, we were um, touching upon recently before we were having a chat with, um, we we were talking about distribution. There are so many um, extra costs and things that you have to be mindful of that happen behind the scenes of, say, the website, right? Mm -hmm. So there are risks and there are costs and there are things that need to be managed. And it is very easy to a degree to get in over your head too. I think it just depends where you are in your business and the scale of your business, whether it be online or not. So you can have a very large online business that takes, you know, has a lot of overheads, a lot of costs and a lot of money to manage. Um, And that's when the risks are greater. And I don't think that the risks are that much lower Mm. than a lot of other businesses that are, say, more of a traditional nature. I am briefly interrupting this podcast to let you know about our sponsor, which is my own brand, Nikita. I thought, why not sponsor my own podcast? Our listeners can enjoy 20% of all products using code GIRLBOSS. We are a brand dedicated to bringing you exclusively designed, empowering jewellery and home decor that would make an amazing gift for a loved one or treat for yourself. We have recently rebranded and made so many improvements to our packaging, our sustainability focus, our website design and user experience, our shipping time and customer service, as well as our jewellery materials to ensure they are waterproof and last forever. We also offer free empowering desktop and phone wallpapers, as well as carefully curated music playlists for your every mood to keep you motivated throughout your day. We offer free shipping, next day delivery, free returns, free gift packaging, and we have over 5,000 verified five-star reviews across our selling platforms. The website is nikitabynikki.com. And again, the code is girlboss for 20% off everything. I hope you're able to make use of the code. Do let me know what you purchased and happy shopping. And thank you so much in advance for your support. It genuinely means the world. Now, with that out of the way, here's the rest of the podcast. So I wanted to move on to marketing, sales and distribution with you guys, because I noticed on your website that you are in lots of different stockists around the UK. And for those looking to get into the wholesale side of things, I wanted to just ask you a couple of questions about that. You know, how did you go about getting into it? Did you reach out to companies directly? How did that unfold? Um, To a degree, it happened naturally because people were approaching us saying that they really wanted to um, stock because it went well with the well-being business. We had a lot of yoga studios and people that were burning our incense daily. So a lot of companies were um, buying our incense to use during their treatments and practices and, and, and classes and things like that. And they had so many people asking them, hi, we love the smell of this room. You know, where can we buy it? What is it? So it was just a natural progression in that sense. We didn't really set out that way. 
but but that's how it is now. We are very sort of selective and particular about who stocks our products in a way because we just want to make sure they they show the product the same respect as we do. And it's got to be a wholesome business, you know. It can't just be anywhere. Um, so it, very naturally, um, it it's people that we like. Yeah, and people that we've met along the way as well. Yeah, from exhibitions, especially from all the yoga shows we used to do and the mindful shows that we used to do. All of it comes from, I would say, in an old school way of word of mouth as well. We we haven't we haven't advertised. We haven't like Google ads that, that are made up. But, um, yeah, it's just come. It, it, it's come to us. It's come okay. to us. That's really interesting. You say that actually because I think you kind of imagine when your business gets to a certain stage that you then reach out to loads of retailers and I'm sure that is um, the case for lots of people and it's um, you know sometimes it can be a numbers game you do need to put yourself out there but I also noticed something quite similar that my two um, experiences with big retailers which were QVC and Harvey Nichols they both approached me Um, so it was kind of like you know I think otherwise I would have um, spent I don't know. I wouldn't have thought that my business was ready for that yet. I want. I wanted to get to a certain stage and have certain processes and um, stock levels in place before I then moved into that level of wholesale. But it is interesting. I think through networking and putting yourself out there and making sure your brand is as good as it can be, sometimes these uh, opportunities do come to you. But for a lot of people, you would need to reach out to companies as well. And I know there is just uh, to impart some. Um, something useful here i do know that there's a website called rocket reach where you can reach buyers and people from big retailers essentially so i know that is an option as well if you do find that these opportunities aren't coming in your direction naturally but it's interesting how it can work both ways and i wanted to ask you as well in in terms of your wholesale journey is that something you had in mind from the beginning or is it something that you felt just happened organically and you've had to kind of adjust your margins and things like that as you go we knew from the beginning that that's somewhere that we'd want to end up um, and that's what we wanted to do. The, the way that it came about happened organically, if that makes sense. So before we got to actively looking at how to do it, it just started to happen. And like you said, you know, with, with, with Harvey Nix and, and people that have approached you, sometimes it happens in a, at a time that you don't think you're quite ready for it. But when the opportunity comes, you know, sometimes you've got to take that. And you say, okay, well, we'll make it happen. And through taking an opportunity and making it happen is how you end up in the place that you need to be anyway. And we've learned so much about it as well when things have gone that way. Yeah, but but we're mindful. We're mindful of costings, um, margins. All of that has to be thought about really carefully because mistakes in that department weigh heavy. Yeah. Um, so if, if somebody is thinking of doing that, you, you've got to try and filter that in from the beginning. It's very, very hard to adjust otherwise. Yeah, I do always think as well with shows like The Apprentice and Dragon's Den, it seems as though just from what we're sort of taught on TV or any other business shows that you know, getting your products into a large retailer is the only way in which your brand will succeed. And I really disagree with that. I actually think there are multiple ways in which a brand can succeed and distribution to a, into large retailers is, of course, brilliant. And it can bring you, uh, you know, a large order uh, in one go. But there are things to consider, like you're saying, um, with the additional squeeze on your margins, you do have to offer your products at a much lower price. You probably have to offer exclusivity in some cases. So sometimes there are other options as well. If you do go down the Amazon route that you can be just as successful with B2C sales, so business to customer sales, as opposed to just B2B. But if you can do both, then I mean, why not? That'd be fantastic. 
I totally agree with you. I, I think that the B2B is not the be all and end all. And sometimes there, it's worth turning a few, a few things down. With the big retailers, um, it, it was so important before because, you know, people weren't online so much. Mm-hmm. I think um, the high streets were full. There were people that were, you know, they, they wanted to go shopping Saturday morning. Like we used, you know, you'd go to back then it was the Wickiff Centre, wasn't it? Down here in South London. Um, and, and we'd go out and we'd go out shopping for the day. And that was your reach. And, and that was your shop front. But now your shop front is what you make it online. So you don't necessarily have to have that big presence in the stores. Um, mm-hmm. Because a lot of them aren't even getting the footfall that you would get on your website. Yeah, and a lot of the stores are now online as well anyway. So it's essentially another channel for you to sell online, which is also great. But it's the case where everything, even the big conglomerates are moving uh, to online sales. So I wonder if it's also, you know, just as, you know, it's worth your time to invest time there as well as contacting large retailers. Because I think I just wanted to sort of mention that because I do feel with Dragon's Den and The Apprentice, it does seem as though um, B2B is the main kind of goal. And I imagine yes, it's been, it must have been really great for you guys. How's, how has your experience been there? Do you feel like it's elevated your business sales um, in a different way? Or do you think it's just sort of like another branch for you that you're kind of managing alongside selling directly to customers? It kind of feels, um, we, we offer a very, very personal service, I think. So it's just become part of our day-to-day. It doesn't feel like a separate branch as such. It has been uh, positive because... The nature of our business and what we do, we are placed in places that reach our target customer. Naturally, you have to remember as well that we are, our business is incense and it is based on scent. And there are a lot of people that, you know, want to go and smell something in person before they buy it. They don't want to just go on the reviews and our descriptions and what we're telling people about it. They want to go in and physically smell something before they purchase, which is so understandable. You can only be in so many places at once. You know, we can't do being 10 pop-ups mm-hmm. every day. Um, so in that sense, for us, it's been beneficial because of the nature of our business. And um, also we have loads of little independents, which are so wonderful. And we have such a personal relationship with them. So we get to work with them, what sense will work for that area, um, what customers tend to like in that area. So at least you could be all the way in a remote place, but there is still some sort of access to a stockist nearby. Well, that's what we hope for. Yeah. You, Nick, you'll know this, that with B2B, you know, like Sam said, if you're working with the kind of independents that you really like and you really vibe with, you can trust them with your product too, because, you know, they suddenly become a part of your brand. Mm. You know, the person that you're speaking to and that you're buying off then becomes a part of your brand. And you are handing over the responsibility yeah. to somebody else to sell your product. Yeah. So you have to really know and be happy with you know, that person that you're giving that to. So I love the idea of the independent retailers. I feel like that seems like a nice area where it's not just these huge, big retailers and it's not just straight to an online customer. There is that in-between level as well where you can help small businesses that do have the brick-and-mortar stores perhaps, you know, fill their shelves and yeah. make sure that, you, yeah, your products are distributed around the country um, so you have, you know, stock local to almost every customer as well should they want to see it in person so like, yeah that makes that makes a lot of sense and the beautiful thing is is um whenever we're on the road and um, if there is a stockist nearby we always make a point of popping 
training, showing our face, having a chat, um, helping with any issues they might be having or just hearing <laughs> the feedback from them. So it's, it's quite personal. Nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah, really nice and personal. No, oh, that's amazing. And I'm going to change the subject ever so slightly. So mm-hmm. regarding uh, incense, I feel like it's quite heavily associated with yoga and meditation. I wondered if that's something that's had a big in- impact on your lives personally. And if so, how has it helped you? Or do you sort of use incense um, to burn it as you go about your everyday life? We use incense and always have done in both aspects. One, in a spiritual sense, you know, incense has always been known to be an offering for the gods or a higher being. It's always been known to help you during your meditation practice. And I certainly feel more, feel more calm and connected spiritually once I take a moment to light my incense stick. I feel that there is a ritual attached to it. It helps me start my day. It gives me a little bit of space just to be peaceful and have a chance to meditate for however long it might be even if I get two minutes in the morning and I feel like it it just helps me set my day and start my day Um, on the other side you know it's summertime now it's been great it's a time to be social there's always somebody coming in and out of my house or we'll have people in the garden and it's such a key part for me for entertaining you know, people come over and the house smells lovely. It's, it's, it, the sense of smell is one of our five senses. Very important in that sense. Like we, we use perfume on ourselves and, and we take care of that and we're really choosy about it. And I think we need to give the same respect to our homes and houses with how we choose to respect our home and how we choose to scent our home. So one, I use it for uh, scenting the home, creating the atmosphere that I want. I use it in terms of meditation there isn't a time that I can't find the right fit for the right incense stick, if that makes sense. <laughs> oh, amazing. And I wanted to now ask you, um, both of you, if you have any advice for South Asian women looking to venture into the world of business. She is full of advice usually. And now she's like, I don't know which one to choose. <laughs> so my advice is, it goes back to the passion If you have found something that you absolutely, absolutely love, do it. Um, I believe that life is too short to start regretting things Mm -hmm. and it's never too late to do something that you've always wanted to do. So my advice is, is definitely go and do it. Make sure that you are, you have the resources just in case, you know, for, I would say a good year to, to help you through. But go and follow your dreams 100% because you don't want to live in a life of regret. But when you do that, just be prepared to work the hardest you've ever worked in your life. And by doing so, you will get the dreams, you will get the goals you would want to have achieved. But then afterwards, take a moment and look back at all your achievements. Reflection is important. It's so important. And I think there's been times where we have been so go, go, go. And we've forgotten to take a moment to see what's just happened in front of us or what's happened a week before or a month before. I I think, Sam, you've really sort of covered it. I think it's women, South Asian women, it's truly it's time to be bold. That's it. Simple. Don't don't worry about what people are going to think or what they're going to say or can I really do it? And, you know, if you want to go into into business, this is not time. This is not the time to not be confident about it. First, 
really think about the, the business that you want, especially when it comes to creativity. Don't You can't look at something and say, this is going to make me money and that's why I'm going to do this particular thing. Mm-hmm. I think that's the wrong way of looking at it. Yeah. Especially when it's creativity, you really need to consider what you're passionate about. And if you can find nothing that you are passionate about and that there's nothing that you want to do, you just like the idea of being in business, then sit on it and wait and pray on it or meditate and it will come to you. Don't rush. Like rushing, there is a difference between taking risks and following, you know, to sound cheesy as hell, following your dreams and doing all that mm-hmm. and rushing. Yeah. Rushing makes mistakes. And I feel that goes back onto every decision that we've made. And we've had some quite some difficult decisions where we just didn't know the answer or know what to do. But we just take a step back and we literally sit there and ask the universe for guidance. And however cheesy this may sound as well, the universe some way will guide you and it will just come to you and you will know exactly what to do. It's not failed us so far. No. The the other thing I think is so important, if I may mention, I really, really think that people should always focus on the people that they are and the service that they provide. I think customer service doesn't go amiss because you're online or based behind a screen. I couldn't agree more. It's just been something I've been very passionate about because I... I really want my brand to always feel different when people, you talk to a, a, a normal retailer online, for example, like Pretty Little Thing or no generic answers, nothing. I just want everything to be, you know, case by case. What can I do? What's the most I can do? How can I ensure this customer is happy and can come back despite even if they've had a bad experience? I think that's just the, honestly the most, it is one of the biggest things, isn't it? When you, when it comes to establishing your brand. A hundred percent. But you know, you just how you said, how do we get them to come back? Because mm. we can all get that first sale. The first sale is not difficult. Mm. You know, you can reach the customer and you can do that and you can get your first sale. But you, two things that are going to make them come back is you, how you've treated them through that process. Are you there if there are any issues? Second of all, the quality of your product has to be number one. If you can get those two things right, you'll get sale number two. Mm. Otherwise, you're putting a lot of energy into getting one sale and not retaining any customers. Yeah, hundred. When I do a product launch, I notice about seventy percent are returning customers and thirty percent are new customers. It's made me realise that okay, I've done something right. But also, I would I would add to that that if you are working on something and you're you know you're doubting yourself as to whether you, to launch it, is it quite perfect yet? There have been so many products that I've improved along the way based yeah. on feedback. So it's almost don't let it hold you back to an extent, but just be mindful. Okay, if the customer has given this feedback next time you buy in that product you need to improve it and I think that and as long as you consistently do that your customers will know that you're doing that so they will come back as well because they trust that you're a company that takes on feedback and evolves rather than you know just you know just wants the one sale just wants to jump on a trend you know I think those things show yeah it's it's taking accountability isn't it something goes a bit wrong I mean we all make mistakes and we've done that and there have been incense blends that need tweaking and things and Mm. if you can be that person that says oh okay yeah no you're right we've got this feedback like you're saying and I'm going to fix it (laughs) I'm going to make this better be having your own business is not about not having a boss because then you end up with you know all of the customers that we have we believe is our boss 100% you know so you are always accountable Um, you are always answerable to to a lot of people not just your boss Mm. you know so when it's your own business be accountable and take responsibility and just keep working on your product and work on providing a best service 
and you will get to exactly where you want to be. This is a little bit off the tangent, but um, also having that human voice um, when someone calls, we, we've actually got a personal line that all customers can contact just so they can actually talk to a human, not just a voicemail or they don't just have an email to contact through, but where they can have a chat and just if they want to talk about the incense or if they have any questions, they can physically talk to one of us and we'll be more than happy to help. That's amazing. And you know what? It's almost so easy for your customer service to stand out at the moment because there are so many online stores and they all kind of create shortcuts to deal with customer inquiries as they grow. But if you remain that company that provides kind, you know, considerate, uh, personal customer service and you always remain, you always have that USP over other businesses. So it's kind of, it's, it's one of the most crucial things. And I think even now, so I've been, I've had my business for seven years now. I still answer 80% of my customer inquiries myself. And if it's not me, it will be my dispatch team answering them. Um, but a lot of them get forwarded to me because they can tell that I, I will be able to deal with it better because I always try and diffuse any, any concern, any um, issue with kindness. And it always yes. disarms the customer because they just don't expect it because they've never experienced that with other companies that they contact if there's a problem. They either get ignored or have to wait a week for a reply and then they just get a generic automated message. And I think as long as you have that personal touch to your customer service, you'll always um, keep that feeling of a small business um, despite the fact that you're growing and then you you have that connection with your customer on a completely different level. Um, so it's probably worth investing a lot of your time uh, in, in customer service, like you're saying. I, yeah, I completely agree. Absolutely. Don't upset people. How, how do you want your customer service, right? Like you're saying, if you want to just treat people how you want to be treated. So yeah. it's so simple, but it is worth everything in business. Thank you so much for your advice. That was honestly brilliant. I want to move on to our game that we normally play. So this is called What's More Important to You. It's essentially a game of this or that, nice and easy. But I wonder if you both will say the same things or not, where obviously you're related. But we'll start off easy. So I'm going to ask you, tea or coffee? Tea. Coffee. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, it depends on what tea. If it's cutting chai from Bombay, then 100% tea. I have to have, mas- I have, to have a proper cup of masala chai in the morning. Um, home cooked Indian food or home cooked roast dinner? Home cooked Indian food. Indian food. Yeah, same. <laughs> um, okay, sole venture or working with family? Family. Family. Oh, lovely. And B2C sales, so business to customer or B2B business to business sales? B2C. B2C. Yeah, that's interesting because I imagine the B2B, where they're larger orders, they probably bring you in more money, but it's nice that you're still, you probably still prefer the beat to see yeah we we probably ought to think about business a little more maybe we're still just really enjoying it <laughs> if you're not thinking monetary in any way b2c all day long i think i would say that no matter where i was yeah and plus i get such lovely advice about my vegetable patch from the customers <laughs> yeah all these lovely messages and emails how are your crops doing okay try if you have too many slugs have you tried this? It's a wonder that we're still in business. Now we talk about friends. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Um, okay, yoga or meditation? I think they're one and the same. 
I know that's why I put it in there so I want to put a really hard one yoga for me is meditation yes god that's it that's a whole nother podcast isn't it that's a whole nother <laughs> conversation um but if I have to choose with without taking an hour of your time then I'm gonna say meditation no, I have to say yoga. I have to say yoga because it's the umbrella of both, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I would say yoga because it yeah. keeps me sane. You know, for me, Nam Simran, I think has always been, I've grown up that way. I, if I could sit half, if I had a choice to go to a traditional, you know, kind of yoga class or sit for half hour and do Nam Simran, it would be the latter for me. Okay. Oh, amazing. Um, okay, next one. This might be hard or easy, actually, for you guys. Sage or crystals? Sage. Sage. Okay. Oh, interesting. Lovely. And um, I also wondered, we normally um, sort of close off the podcast with a podcast or book recommendation from my guests. I wondered if you had one to hand. I do. And I actually was just sort of racking my brain a little bit about this morning as to which one to choose. So I went with something that I read many years ago and might sound a little bit um, different, but it's by Robert Greene. And you've probably heard of it. It's, It's a real old school book called The Art of Seduction. Art of Seduction by Robert Greene, a great, great insight in how to speak and deal with people. Back from my market, the, you know, market store days and all the rest of it, the, the main part of anything, it's like, I, I think you know what I always say is that people buy people. And if you can go and read that book and apply it to business, I think that's the best thing that anybody can do. Oh, that sounds incredible. You have to read it to get it from, from the business perspective. It's, yeah. it's fantastic. Oh, excellent. There's another book as well, which is um, Ways, to Inf- was it Ways to Influence People. Yes. Uh, what's that? I can't remember the full title. I should really have Googled that before I said it on it. But um, yeah, that's, I imagine, has a similar sort of premise in that if you are able to, if you're a people's person, naturally you are more likely to sell well I imagine and I think that's kind of comes into the whole you know Instagram reels and things like that they're like you need to show your face you need to do this which obviously is nerve-wracking for a lot of us but I guess it it, you know it is true to some extent people do buy from people well you are amazing at that I think that's that that's something that I think comes I don't know if it's taken a lot of work or if it's come really naturally to you but you know people relate to you because of that but you know with with the art seduction as well it, I don't mean that in any it's not a manipulative sense it's not like that at all it's just about learning how to speak with people and connecting with people like you say whether that's social media or speaking with somebody face to face yeah so important yeah oh just to confirm that book is how to win friends and influence people by, I thought so yeah yeah <laughs> by Dale Carnegie Absolutely, that's how you spell it. So, yeah, uh, hopefully that's helpful. So, I then wanted to close off on the quote. So, um, I'll start with my one. If you guys share yours after, that would be amazing. So, I've kind of chosen one that ties in with the yoga meditation side of things, as you do sell incense and sage and things like that. So, um, mine is brilliant things happen in calm minds. And I chose this one just because I feel like it is so true. I always feel like my best ideas come when I'm in the shower or about to go to sleep because it's the, they're the only times I've actually just stopped um, and I've let my thoughts flow. So whatever you can do to calm your mind, um, if you can meditate in the morning or when you get home from work, just to sort of reboot and clear your head so creative ideas can flow again, I think is probably really good practice for anyone that's um, yeah looking to go into business or constantly innovate. Did you guys have one? I do have one. Um, so my one is from Robin Sharma and it's a quote that I try to live by. And the quote is, everything is created twice. 
first in the mind and then in reality. And that's going back to manifesting. So if you can close your eyes and visualize physically, even down to the scent, the whole details, everything can touch and see what your goal or what you would like to happen, mm-hmm. it will come true the more you manifest it. That also translates well in when we're creating the sense as well. What do we want to create? How, does, how do we want people to feel when they burn it? What does it have? And that's when it's about um, creating that in your mind first holistically um, and that's the only way it's going to come out in reality to be very simple about it good preparation yeah I completely agree I was going to add as well when you guys were giving advice um, to anyone looking to venture into business I do think one of the biggest things you could do um, probably most beneficial thing you could do is to um, sit down and actually write out exactly what you want um, and work it out in your head first and once you've got that ironed out then you can just you know put that out there you know exactly what you're going for and then those sorts of things start coming your way because you're exuding that you just know exactly what you're going for and I think that's just uh, one of the things that's really helped me recently which has been just to yeah just to basically write everything down that I want and then I can concentrate better on those things wonderful simple question to ask yourself is what's the worst that's going to happen I think um, this is a question that keeps my anxiety in check in so many situations that do not require for me to be anxious, but just take a moment, breathe and think, what's the worst that can happen? That is going to help you so much when it comes to business. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And you know, someone said to me as well, like if, um, you know, worst case scenario, business doesn't work out and, you know, you lose money, things like that you know, those that love you will still love you and that everything around you, that kind of all the things that are important will still be there. So it's just another thing that I always bear in mind. That's why I'm quite comfortable taking more risks nowadays. So I do think if for any reason it doesn't work out, I can find another job and my family, my friends will still love me. And I think that's just important to know, not that you need to consider that side of things because it won't happen, but it's just, it just re- it's just reassuring, isn't it? If you're taking a leap of faith. Oh, guys, thank you so much for joining the Girl Boss Podcast. I've loved talking to you both. It's just been so insightful and, I don't know, really wholesome and warming as well, chatting to the two of you. Oh, thank you for having us. It's been so much fun. It really has. Oh, I hope you've enjoyed it. Thanks again, guys. And I wish you all the best with everything to do with Temple of Incense. And I hope to see you in more retailers and I hope to see you at another market store, maybe in the future, just for nostalgic purposes. And to you, Nikki. What an amazing conversation. I absolutely loved that. And don't forget, you can get 20% of all jewellery and homeware at NikitaByNikki.com with the code GIRLBOSS. Now, I like to sign off my podcast with a bit of breathing just to start or end your day on a really positive note. So I invite you guys to close your eyes and take one deep breath in. And out. Open your eyes, shoulders back. And just please have the audacity to be whoever you want to be today. I hope you'll join us for the next episode. Thank you again and have the best day.